Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And today, it's Merv's birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Merv! <laughs> Thank you, guys. Well, technically, so it's your birthday episode because your birthday passed. Yeah, it's birthday cool. it's episode. Cool. Yeah. yeah. But, but we'll so just act here... like it's your birthday with us today. Yeah. So here on the podcast... What we do is your birthday episode is whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. And no matter what it is, we have to suck it up and do your birthday episode <laughs> with you. And what are we talking about today, Mitch? Today we're going to be discussing two movies. Clash of the Titans from uh, 1981 and Jason and the Argonauts from 1962. 63. 63, yeah. The classic films. Me. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Both uh yeah, I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. And I'm Jonathan. Uh, uh I really like these movies, but there has to be some context to why I chose these. <laughs> they they're older too. These are like not usual picks for people. Uh you have to really be like you have to really enjoy a niche part of <laughs> film to really enjoy these. Yeah, so growing I mean, up as a kid, it's just one of those things that, like, you look at the TV while you're passing, and you're like, what is that? Right. <laughs> and you're talking, like, the smaller TVs, right? Like, the box TVs? Yeah, back yeah. when I was, back in the fucking <laughs> early 2000s, when I was just like, Dad, what, what are you watching? You had, like, the like the remnants of it, because when, right. when I was younger, like, or like, early 90s, that was, like, the thing. Yeah, the there. I still had a TV in my parents' house that had little uh, bunny ears on it. The antenna. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll just go over. Like, I just wanted to go over generally everyone's experience with Greek mythology, and yeah. uh, I'll just basically start. When I was a kid, I would often go to my grandma's house, and she had something called the claw. <laughs> and I'm not even joking. It is a toy from clash of the titans it's uh calabos's claw the one that gets decapitated from his hand yeah she had that and she'd be like the claw is gonna get you if you stay out late or something like that but it was specifically from the series yeah what like could you buy this in the store or something i i i i tried looking it up you i can't find it anywhere but it is the claw of calabos what if it was just custom made it was like a rubber hand (laughs) <laughs> wait so is and it like, like uh was... those grippy things where you like reach out and like grab a cup or some random shit no no no. it's like a glove you put it on and oh. you have calabos's hand as a glove what the fuck so that was like one of my favorite toys that i used to use because like it just had a lot of sentimental value like oh the claw no right and then uh finally my dad came over and he was like hey that's the claw from clash of the titans and i was like what's that and then a little a quick drive to the DVD store or whatever, and he showed me the original Clash of the Titans when I was a kid. Right, went to Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like so appalled at everything because the effects are spectacular, and still as an adult, I really like them. Uh, the stop motion by Ray Harryhausen. It's like those things, like the Medusa fight, the dogs, the giant vulture. Yeah. It's just a bunch of images that, really stay with you oh yeah um so 
that really like helped a lot of the imagination um as a kid growing up i was then playing age of empires on the computer where (laughs) you take part as a person controlling a greek inspired rts all all, they also had norse and egyptian gods too nice um and then eventually in middle school uh was the first time that i actually felt represented into a book that was uh primarily greek mythology and that was percy jackson and the lightning thief and the entire book series about that aren't they making a movie series out of it they made a couple movies and he's made several spin-off books but the movies aren't that great and all trash um but that character uh suffered from dyslexia and add and the thing is i was a kid i was put on prescription pills as a part of my add and uh this was the first time in like a piece of literature that i felt that i was represented and it had a greek mythology layer over it that just stuck with me it just like stayed there with me and i really felt connected with the characters that so much so that it's just like greek mythology was just a part of my life right um researching about all the heroes gods and like all the wonderful adventures that they had and then i'm pretty sure with everyone you're forced to read the odyssey in high school yeah in most cases they'll make you read it but like i don't know why they make kids Uh, read that they don't know what the fuck's happening <laughs> it's mean, way it's, like, it's way too much for oh, high school kids. I mean, they had they had me read the. I mean, they had us read the Odyssey and do Iliad reports and yeah, in exactly. school. And I mean, I remember watching uh, Clash of the Titans like this this the eighty one one in class. Oh shit! And whatnot. I remember my oh, teacher. Wow. There's that one scene with the where the mom's breastfeeding, <laughs> right? Like, and there's just one boob there, and like the teacher just goes <laughs> up and just goes. Nyeh! nope mm -mm, we're skipping right past this titty and then we're getting on the rest of the movie all right and it's like all of us meanwhile meanwhile the dude like perseus is like fucking nipples are bigger than the chicks that was in the thing before him so i didn't quite understand what the problem was i thought we should be in the back of the classroom right (laughs) anyway and it's i love clash of the titans though to be honest but i remember being young and just like being like what the fuck is this movie that's funny and it's basically like right now um or back then when i was in high school me reading the odyssey it wasn't hard for me to grasp what was happening and like all the other kids around me were just like dude what the fuck is going on in this book (laughs) i'm just reading this and not taking it in and in my head i'm like it obviously makes sense. He just commandeered a ship and he's trying to get home. Like, it's not that hard, people. <laughs> Is he, though? <laughs> I feel like he was he was spending, you know, some time on the island with the, the sirens. But whatever. I don't know. The, the Odyssey was just a badass yeah, story the, in general. Like, the whole thing is fucking yeah, cool. I know. I, really I like to joke, though, it. that he was just trying to do anything to get home. But then he really wasn't. He was kind of just hanging out some places for a bit. Yeah, he definitely did go on vacation for a while, which is like, which is cool because they related it to some things in like the Percy Jackson series that I read right. when I was in middle school. A bunch of people end up seeing him because of all of his travels, but then he decides to like go home and just do a big dick move and win that competition, where his wife was like, right. "Only one person could win this, and obviously it'd be her husband." 
Yeah. And um, what were you gonna say, Mitch? There's an odd. There's an Odyssey movie that's really good. Also, that's, there that's is? pretty cool. It goes there are a lot of yeah. There's an Odyssey movie where he comes back and like he's about to like shoot the arrow through all the axe the axe rings. Yeah. And like right before he does it, he like looks at like like an old beggar, and he comes up as like a suitor for his wife, basically. And then like what basically happens is he gets up a bow and strings the bow that only Odysseus could string, and then like knocks it. And then, right, and then puts it through all three of the rings, all on his own. And then when the camera pans back, he's like normal Odysseus and doesn't look like an old beggar. Oh. And they're like, what the fuck? And then he just slaughters every single <laughs> one of them. That's so fucking good. Like, you're just like, yeah. Nice. Oh. I don't know. I love it. It's so, like, I'm pretty sure everyone just, you know, they have a experience with the Odyssey. Uh, that's like a general thing that you know, most people have to, like, it's like a rite of passage, kind of just like reading Catcher in the Rye or uh, fucking, fucking Romeo and Juliet. Um, Romeo and Juliet, yeah. <laughs> Shakespeare but, and Greek and Roman mythology yeah, exactly. are super in our mythology. We usually play Magic the Gathering after podcast, <laughs> and the thing is, uh, this the first pre-release that John and myself ever went to, it was with the new Theros Beyond Death set. So, yep. after coming back to greek mythology and something that i'm interested in like a card game uh it just made me realize that like greek mythology has kind of followed me my entire life and that i should definitely look into the old stories to you know get a one a sense of nostalgia and two maybe some life lessons or maybe just come out with some good films that i could relive um but yeah, so that's that's really ultimately why I wanted to do these two movies. Yeah. Uh, for the podcast, um, and I'm glad that we can. They're they're really enjoyable. They I didn't really have a whole long list of notes for it because it's just cool to watch. It was meant to be an action movie where you sort of know the story and it's like loosely based on something. But it wasn't like they were following history exactly. Uh, they just wanted to give you the legends that came from most of the mythology. It's kind of, it's kind of like a Cliff Notes version, yeah. but with like added added uh, pizzazz for Hollywood. This always gave me the impression that it was what what it would look like when kids sit down and they have like their toys and it's a creature and some knight or a hero or something and they're like running them into each other because they're fighting that's what it always felt like to me it's like you're in a sandbox right. <laughs> <laughs> and they just like they just spent you know a lot of money on the on the stop animation which is great uh i'm still surprised how well this holds up for after so many years uh i'm totally cool with watching it and i don't really have too much criticism on it besides just like they didn't add more story but it's the 50s i mean it's like 50s 60s and then later on into the it's, 80s yeah i mean the the whole scene with the uh, the ending of jason and the argonauts the fight with the skeletons is some of the best stop motion i've seen oh, right. like on camera from that time period like I, I was i was just like wow they really did a good job of chore like, choreographing everybody and um, um setting up those fights to look right. really real and the thing is, we we have only one person to give all that praise to, and that's the big dick motherfucker himself, Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, he he is he is the big dick motherfucker. Yeah, he absolutely is. Um, 
but I, I was watching the the Blu-ray versions of both of these films, and wow, dude, what a fucking what a upgrade uh, compared <laughs> to what I saw back in the day. Oh, Not gonna grainy lie. and shit. And yeah, um, it's just like it, it definitely was one of those movies that needed it. I don't After know if so I would have enjoyed. I feel like I probably would enjoy this in its like original version. Probably not like a Blu-ray version. They're they're both good, but the thing is, like a little bit of clarity, it makes you just feel like you're watching a '70s kind of movie. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's fucking. It's weird when I see '70s and like '80s films get a Blu-ray treatment because everything looks too and clear. The, <laughs> and the thing is, like they would also make several other movies about Greek mythology around the same period, like Hercules and other stories. Oh, but yeah, I forgot about that. When it gets down to it, Jason the Argonauts and Clash of the Titans are the two monolith films for this genre. Yeah, exactly. These were, um, at the time that they were released, they were very popular. Yeah. Um, I'll just go over some quick production notes on Jason and the Argonauts for yeah, everyone. go for it. Uh, it was directed by John Chaffee, produced by Charles Schneer, who uh, would have a good relationship with Ray Harryhausen. Um, they basically would do so many movies together. and I want to say he basically... was almost huh? on all of the movies with him. I don't think there was very many that Harryhausen did without without him. He basically did, for the most part, Ray Harryhausen was a B-movie and sci-fi movie uh, special effects person in the 50s. Yeah, he wasn't in it to make a whole bunch of money. He just really liked doing the stop motion animation and creating those stories. The last, I mean, this was like one of the last movies he did. Right. I mean, I mean, Guanji was one of the last movies that he actually did where he did dinosaurs yeah. in general. Like, and we talked about that one too. creatures after that either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Valley of Guanji, we did talk about. And uh, that's the thing. Ray Harryhausen does three things, right? He does dinosaurs. He does mythical creatures. And he does really good... Um, like birds because <laughs> he's done a lot of birds uh over the years nice. but he all oh an aliens sorry aliens is a third one not birds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean um, i mean you get a lot of i, I don't know in uh jason the argonauts you get a lot of look at his skill with doing um like serpentine like things like you know the hydra and whatnot too. yeah um basically this this movie I'll talk about the budget real quick. It cost three million dollars and it made two billion one hundred thousand. Or sorry, <laughs> is it, it only made two million one hundred thousand? It didn't make his money back. No. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, they All actually right. lost money on this because of how much money they put into making it look nice. Right. That's uh, crazy. It, just, uh, it must have just been. Uh, like just a like a slight miss. They probably didn't um make people aware of it enough. They didn't really advertise too much of it, I think, and so it could have right. just been bad timing for them. But I mean, yeah, I, it's I extremely like, popular in the years following. I feel like I feel like Murr's heart is broken right now. He's just like, I know, so no. well on this movie, <laughs> and now they didn't even get any credit. It's, it's, oh. it's, it's, okay, here, here's the thing though: when we're talking about films and their budgets. It's usually if a movie doesn't make their money back, when we're talking industry-wise, they're not going to work with that person for a good amount of time. Right. But for Ray Harryhausen, he 
worked with um he was the right hand man <laughs> it for was Willis just a, O'Brien. It was just a miss. They like considered it just a so, miss for him. <laughs> they just like they he, just, <laughs> Just fired so, everyone like, like nah, will... Harry, you're good. Yeah. Don't worry. You're, you're, you're good, buddy. We'll get you later. All right. Wait till Clash of the Titans comes out. Like Will uh he was the right right hand man for Willis O'Brien. And if you don't know, he did the special effects for King Kong. Yeah. So Ray Harryhausen basically went underneath his wing and basically took his methods and made them better. He did the special effects for Beast of 20,000 Fathoms, which was the precursor for Godzilla. Right. And he would use a stop-motion style. So basically moving a clay or rubber figure with, like, iron underneath it uh, so it could hold in place and taking a picture meticulously, one shot, move it, one shot, move it, and would just do that for months on time. The skeleton scene that Mitch is talking about it took over three months to construct the entire scene, and it's only in the movie for about three minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's so much work. And, I mean, at the time, really, how many people can make this quality of work? There's, po- at that, there's probably only, like, ten people, like, nine to ten people who could. And even then, they didn't want to get anyone. They wanted him specifically. Right. And the thing is, he was very – he was the sole person for his craft. I mean, you see these movies nowadays – their special effects are literally like hundreds of people. Yeah, it's teams. Uh, when you went when you went to a movie back then, it was just special effects by Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, can you imagine getting your sole credit like that? <laughs> that's nuts. That's so it's, much that's work. nuts to me to think that that was like the thing that happened. And right. uh, he would often like fall asleep at the studio working, and they would often find him with like the figures in his hands still, <laughs> or like he's like oh, fuck, what shot was I on? And he'd have to look back at all the film to see where he was at. Right. Um, soundtrack by Bernard Herrmann, who does a phenomenal score to the movie, uh, who also did The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and Mysterious Island, uh, other Harryhausen works as well. Nice. Uh, we have our lead, Todd Armstrong as Jason. This is his big role, and I'm not going to lie, this dude's fucking handsome. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, this was the era to have like the most quintessential, handsome, and gorgeous people that they could get for these films. I mean, you're talking about the Greeks and the Romans here, man. Yeah, they're they like, had to like look the a specific people. way. They're like the pretty boys and pretty ladies of the world yep. at the moment, or yeah. they see themselves that way. So these people, if they're not chipped from marble itself, they shan't be in the film. Like, <laughs> it's like it, both of these movies are like that, though. Like if they, if the motherfucker, there is no, there is not a f- single person that's not, I don't know, immaculate. You're talking right. about, you're talking about Gary Raymond, right? Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm talking I, Todd Armstrong as Jason. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, honestly, man, every single person in in this film is like. It's like the it's like the old school version of Three Hundred, you know, where they got every chiseled <laughs> motherfucker ever and just lined it up there. They, like, they, right, the guys. they do that, but then they have Lawrence Naismith as Argus, the guy that makes his boat, and he is just like an old fat dude. That's pretty funny. <laughs> True. No, you know what? I forgot about the old man. That's nice. right. You know, he's there. Uh, we have. But you Nancy know what? He Kovac does the old is... man well. You know, he's a pretty hot old man. I think we'll give it to him. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he, here's the thing. he's he's one of those mentor characters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. We have Nancy Kovac you know, as Medea. 
and she is in the last 30 minutes of this movie for some reason <laughs> yeah that was weird yeah they like yeah they just, yeah just to throw a romance in there he saved her from the sinking ship dude right like, yeah, like, yeah they had to have we got, we got a good amount of uh it's it's kind of weird because the whole movie's an adventure and they finally meet a girl for like the last third act and it's just left field in all honesty <laughs> yeah it kind of interrupts the the whole uh adventure storyline <laughs> We got a big amount of people playing gods and stuff, but like, do we really need to go through all those people? No, not really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this was Harryhausen's and Schneer's first A tier movie. So basically, it was their movie that actually had a budget. Yeah. Was put in theaters and wasn't a double feature. Well, it was it was Columbia Pictures that distributed it, so it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, after, uh. After this movie and Clash of Titans in 1992, Harryhausen received the Gordon E. Sawyer Award uh, by his best friend, Ray Bradbury, which is pretty crazy that Ray Bradbury is his best friend. Yeah, I know. Um, Jeez. But they were recognizing his contributions to the film industry as a whole at the Oscar Science and Technical Ceremony Shit. in 1992. And then Tom Hanks, the guy who hosted the event, uh, said, and I quote, some people say that Citizen Kane or Casablanca is the best movie. But I say Jason the Argonauts is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> Shit. Um, we should just talk about like some of the effects and like how you feel about the story because it's literally just a hero's journey with a lot of road stops that like are pretty dope. Yeah, they try to touch on several uh, stories and myths and legends that were in all of Greek history and try to put it onto the big screen. Um, and it worked out really well. Uh, even watching um, it now, I felt like uh, it's enough of the story to keep it like true to what the original was, but there's enough changes to make it interesting for film. It should be. It should actually be noted about the uh, ac- actually actually. It should be noted <laughs> that Jason and the Argonauts is actually based off of a story, right? Um, from the third century. Third century BC called the uh, Argonautica, <laughs> and it is the story, and it is the story of the the Argo, the the, the boat itself. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. It's a, well, mm-hmm. That's a that's a good thing because the thing is, like what we talked about earlier, it was just it's Hollywood just trying to cram a good amount of stories to make a fun story, and overall. Right. Um. I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about Hera helping Jason only five times? Like she couldn't be, she was, she like capped herself at five. How did you feel about that? Uh, it seems on brand for, for the gods because they were always unpredictable or they were just like, you know what? I feel like fucking around with some humans today. So let's, uh, Dude, let's go figure that's, it out. That's what I'm thinking about when I'm like watching these movies. Like the gods are, really just a bunch of dicks that have superpowers oh totally that's all the stories like half of the stories about zeus is just him fucking things so it's like they were just it was all bad they they like to come down regularly from the mountain and fuck with humans it's why there's so many yeah it's it's pretty terrible honestly i was like when we were watching the clash of the titans i was just like oh i must help him because he's my son right and then And then, like, what about my son? No, your son is going to be cursed. He's going to look like a demon. 
what the fuck, Zeus? Yeah. Stop being a, stop being a cock. Zeus, Zeus is like the ultimate fuckboy. <laughs> <laughs> he is like the father yeah. of all of them. Yeah, he definitely does bang everything and then like grows children <laughs> out of his body parts. It's ridiculous. And other strange and other strange things like that. Um, oh my gosh. I thought. Uh... <laughs> I, I I mean I think it makes sense for Hera though. For her to be that way, right? Um, I mean, I mean, Hera's Hera's wisdom, isn't she? Is she wisdom? No. Yeah. Was, or is that Athena? That's wisdom. It's it's basically Hera is Zeus's wife, and it's like I think like a matronly, like not yeah, matronly sort of goddess, sort of like fertility centric. I want to say, whereas Athena was like the wisdom oriented goddess. Um. So th- this movie is basically Jason just trying to reclaim his throne after it, it was taken from a super crazy villain and then uh it's crazy because they they even say it in the beginning like oh you're 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 gonna be able to take the capital today but just know that you're not gonna keep the capital and a man without a sandal is gonna kill you <laughs> i i love the uh the prophecies like that where it's just like they don't know what the fuck they're talking about and that one's especially funny to me because it's just like now he's just gonna constantly be looking at people's feet right he would scour the beaches <laughs> on a horse every day just to be like do you have your shoes on right <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird like what the fuck okay um but eventually you know jason does say i'm here to reclaim the throne and uh the guy sends him on a quest to find the golden fleece at the end of the world, which is honestly just a couple oceans over. <laughs> uh, but to put to people in Greek mythology, like going all the way over there is basically the end of the world. <laughs> right, exactly. I was, I was about to say that. I think one of the random funny things I like about Hera and Greek history is that her chariot is drawn by peacocks. <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> Just like what? Uh, they always had to have a mount. Like they definitely had certain things that they were riding on. Uh, and it's it's all. I guess she has peacocks on her on her chariot, which is funny. <laughs> um, I I like this movie because it introduces the golden fleece as well. Nice. Uh, basically a fleece that makes you inv- invincible, um, and impervious to damage. Uh, but also it's kind of like a come and get this ancient fucking blessed artifact and died not or tried not to die on the way there. (laughs) Right. Um, I really like how he assembles his team too. how uh, basically they're just like, I need your help. Just tell me where I'm going. And they're like, wait, you don't want a ship. You don't want a team. We could give you a badass team. Yeah, exactly. Nah. I could get that myself. Just show me the direction. I was like, dude, this is hard as shit. This guy's cool, man. Because <laughs> like, they're like, oh, boy, if you're coming to the gods, you just want something, don't you? Nice. Um, and that's when he does the, like, the Olympic Games, basically. So he could weed out all the weaklings and get Hercules and all the badass motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> They they really do assemble a team of people that you really start to like as the as the film goes on, and and you feel like the thing is these are like some of the greatest fighters in Greek history also and that. mythology, and you really feel for them on this trip because like they're not running on a lot of water, they're running on three sips a day, 
they're rowing nonstop, and you're just like, holy crap, these are huge monoliths and giants of mortal men, and they're <laughs> like, they're almost dying. <laughs> uh, it also gave me the impression that you were watching a play, uh, just because every time they were in a scene, like in a boat or something, it just looked like a set, no matter how much they dressed it up. So it was like watching it, I felt like they were going to get to an edge of a screen or like the back was just going to start rolling like what they do on stage. <laughs> and I yeah. mean, for some reason, it um, worked really well with the story because that's what most of these stories were. They were done as tragedies, as plays. Right. I like the first stop at Crete uh, so they could resupply. Right. And Hercules and I forget the other character, but they go and they see the giant statues of titans uh crafted and forged by how do you say the name it's like i'm trying to remember his oh hephaestus the god of the forge and metalworking and and metallurgy uh basically he created these titans to watch over the island (laughs) yeah and if they in the in the greek myth they actually scour the island and go around it three times a day to protect it um but the thing is for most kids my age when i was watching this and for like everyone who watches it the first time when they steal the treasures from talos and talos's head turns slowly and you hear the creaking (laughs) dude it's it's almost horror movie-esque how how perfect it is uh, I kind of a random thought, but I like that amongst all of the crazy names that you have for Greek mythology, you just have Jason. Yep. <laughs> it's like, there's a lot so of simple. interesting names like him and Hector were always the ones where I was like, did they just, so they're like, nah, you're not going to get a really complicated name. Just that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have like, I don't know, all these Ulus you know all these crazy like alliterations for their names yeah it's just like my name's jason hi <laughs> yeah it's like yes my name is amphimitron <laughs> yeah my name is jason <laughs> um i like that zeus has more plans for hercules so he says leave them on the island because right. he does have more things to do in the myth he's so bored he's just like i'm gonna go fuck with them some more <laughs> <laughs> I thought the uh, entire scene with the blind man who ha- like is forced to feast but can't due to the harpies is such a a sad story, really. Right. The, he is exiled on this island and is only allowed and is only allowed to eat the scraps uh, from the harpies that attack him every day. <laughs> you remember why he's stuck there doing that? It's rough. Uh, it's because he was he was a uh, prophesier. And he would often tell heroes oh, their yeah. prophecy. And Zeus is like, hey, man, like, I thrive on people not knowing when I'm fucking with them. Please don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, yeah, he was gifted with prophecy and he abused it. And so therefore he lost his eyesight. Yep. And they're all of this punishment. And yep, the, there you go. In the original story, uh, some of the Argonauts are actually like angel like and they have wings and they shoo away the uh, harpies but in this one we just catch him in a net and just comedically put him in a cage um another big scene is when they have to go through the the aisle that like destroys all ships that enter yep 
I really like the original story. It's basically imagine two mountains just slamming into each other over and over again. And that's like basically what it's like. But in this movie, it's kind of just, oh, you go through it, giant cliff fall, you're basically dead. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I do also think it's hilarious that as soon as one of, uh, the woman showed up, what is it, Medea or Medea, she shows up and the two dudes are like, I'm going to duel you. <laughs> like immediately <laughs> they're like about to fight each other for this chick. So it's like, it was just funny because I was like, this is the most like macho shit I've seen in a movie. Oh, yes. It was the child of the king who wanted to be tra- who was going to betray Jason eventually. Yeah, exactly. Um, in the original story, they they figure out that they have to throw a dove through the aisle and then it gives them a window of time to go through it. Nice. So that's it's a little bit different, but I like how they do the giant Triton character to hold up the mountain like he looks pretty good com- uh, in comparison to the ship miniature. I'm not gonna lie, it holds up. Yeah. Oh no, it totally does. Um, and then we are on the other side of the world, and we're basically dealing with like an espionage thing where they were gonna betray Jason, and they were basically gonna tell him, "Hey, if you take the fleece, then our entire city dies. So don't do that." I like that there was like a boss battle at the end. Yeah, yeah, with the Hydra. <laughs> like the Hydra and then the fucking, like, I guess the teeth of the Hydra technically are, like, the skeletons. And, like, everyone gets massacred and it's just Jason. And he just jumps into the ocean to escape. And then you have, like, Zeus basically being like, well, he could win this one, but I'm still not, like, done with his shit. <laughs> so, like, complaining <laughs> yeah. to, like, Hera. And she's like, I don't give a fuck, dude. Uh, it really opens it up for like spinoffs and sequels oh, yeah. and whatnot with this movie. Like it has all this potential, and we like we never saw anything like that. I don't think anybody wants to touch his work. I don't think anyone wants to touch Harry Hasen's work. Is why they don't want to pick up Jason the Argonauts, or else I feel like somebody, somebody I, would. I, I honestly think we're up for a fucking remake. If I'm being honest, hell yeah, let's do it. I'll do it. Uh, we had that <laughs> Clash of the Titans did. in 2010. They, God, they that was terrible, that. but I love watching it. Yeah, yeah so it's it's like that that Egyptian god movie that everyone hated, but like it's stupid fun. Wait, Egyptian god movie? Which one? The like, there's like an a uh, a, it's like the gods of Egypt or something like that. Oh man, did I just completely like blank that out of my mind? Yeah. I need to go look. At it that. came out like I'd say like two or three years ago, and it, it's just stupid fun. But it's yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's I a like really good time. watching that new Clash of the Titans because I like Mads Mikkelsen. Because what? Because I like the actor, Mads Mikkelsen, the guy who played, like, Hannibal in the... Uh, oh, Hannibal yes. Hannibal Lecter, the one in the TV show. He's in that as, like, uh, his... I don't know what to say. He's, like, a commander, and he helps helps him figure out how to get the um, the fleece and all this other shit. He helps him when he goes right. to get uh, the head of Medusa. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, the 2010 Clash of the Titans does not hold up against the original by any means but it's one of those movies that you'll watch because it's over the top action cgi fest yeah they also had some interesting people for the gods <laughs> um i think <laughs> they had um oh god why am i forgetting his name now i'll get back to it but they they had a few interesting people and they made hades really like weak looking in the newer one which is interesting yeah, and and I think we're probably going to segue into Clash of the Titans right now, but yeah, I'll just say yeah. that 
I was watching the skeleton scene with my mom, and she was screaming, dude. She was hollering. She was like, oh, my God, this is intense. That's great. Uh, <laughs> I was loving it. There's one part where a skeleton swivels and then goes upstairs to stab a dude. And right. it was it looks so good. Like, the, the fact that they didn't – you know, the actors are pretending to fight something that isn't there, and they actually made it look somewhat fine. Oh, yeah. Like – when it's when one of the skeletons swings and he jumps to miss to make it miss i was like really <laughs> impressed with the entire sequence and if you're not going to watch uh jason and the argonauts then i i like invite you to just watch the skeleton scene near the end right you can find it online it's 3 minutes and it it will make you appreciate cinema a little bit more yeah um but with that, we should probably segue into the Clash of the Titans. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, so this was Ray Harryhausen's last film that he would ever do. Yeah. It was released in 1981. Um, it was directed by Desmond Davis, produced by Charles Schneer again, and at the helm of visual effects, Ray Harryhausen. Yep. And this fucking uh, this... movie had Maggie Smith in it, who is in fucking Harry Potter. Yeah. And Burgess <laughs> and Burgess Meredith. So young. Super young. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Like, there are some big-name actors in this list, and they really just play the gods just looking down at humans. Yeah, it worked. I think it was, it was really well casted. Yeah. Um, Harry Hamlin as Perseus, Judy Bowker as Andromeda. Just Meredith as Amon. Amon, he's like the theater guy, right? Yeah. I love. I think he's honestly my favorite character in all of this. <laughs> and then you've also got Professor McGonagall as like Tithe. I think is her name. Uh, Tithe. I think so. Uh, <laughs> Professor Maggie McGonagall. <laughs> Maggie, yeah. Maggie Smith is that is Maggie Smith. Excuse me. Yes, Maggie Smith. That's who it is. Yep. Yeah, we got a she lot of is, big um, name people. Thetis, that's her name. Excuse me. Yeah, it's, yeah. she's like a like a like a goddess of of the ocean, water, like a nymph or something. She's like a child of Poseidon. Yeah, one of his many kids. Because <laughs> he he probably matched Zeus on how many kids they had, honestly. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, this was. Harryhausen's last movie simply because he thought his door he was he was out of you know his time was out due to the success of Star Wars that came out prior yeah what a feeling to just be like you know what it's time to stop doing these because like there's a new wave of cinema coming I I honestly respect that yeah he really did just like step down from he, it and it's like gets to he, keep all he, of it the guy is so self-aware of his craft. He knows when it's time to throw in the towel and know that he had a good, a good long run. Yeah. Plus he can stop like while he's on top, he's so successful at that point that they're not going to watch him make some shitty things. Right. And <laughs> the, the mechanical Al Bubo, that's not in the story at all, but they made it to solely capital off the success of R2D2. Nice. Yeah, because they needed a kid, a, a kid-friendly robot. <laughs> but I mean, Athena, wisdom, owl being representative of wisdom yeah. got that for you. So they kind of did that. But and uh, 
just another thing because Hollywood d- likes to change stuff. Krakens aren't in Greek mythology at all. They are <laughs> a Norse thing. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that the producers do so they could make a better movie. Uh, I guess Cause, the... because originally, originally in the story, it's a whale. Yeah, it's some sort of large creature, or I guess they might even say like a leviathan, but the kraken specifically, like you said, is from a different mythology. It's a different mythos. Uh, Harry Hamlin as Perseus. Uh, I'm pretty sure him and Judy Bowker, they actually had a kid after this movie. Oh, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but it's um, also... They... One thing, one thing I I do want to say about about these movies is that Jason the Argonauts is based on like a actual like epic poem, whereas Clash of the Titans is completely like fabricated. Like there is no like original story of Clash of the Titans. Right. There's no like yeah. There's like a novelization of the film, but there's no like original thing. Oh okay. It. It's just, yeah, yeah, it was so, made for film. So, yeah, it was made. Yeah, it was basically taking all of this like Greek Roman mythology. It's great. I'm not saying that it's bad, but it was put mishmashing all of this stuff together to make one story of the per. Right. The only one that it has is Perseus, the hero Perseus. That's really the only thing that it has. Jason the Argonauts is an actual like third century poem that was written and it has like a huge like story uh, that actually is represented in the movie, which is super cool. Okay. So good, I mean, good to know. I honestly thought it was a story. I just didn't realize it wasn't. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just, I just felt that. Yeah, exactly. One is one is based off of like a historical writing, like a, a what's the word, a Homer Homeretic, I think is what they call it. Yeah. Right. Um, um. Anyway, it also should be noted that Harry Hamlin almost completely quit from the movie because of the decapitation of Medusa. He <sighs> didn't like that. He didn't want it in the film and. Harryhausen and Schneer would often like get in arguments with him and it would be so stress inducing. They basically talked him into it before he just like completely walked off set for good. Uh, Used to have decapitation in the film. Interesting. Like because of the violence or because uh, he. Yeah. Because of the level of violence. And they're just like dog. Someone cut off a hand in Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess, I guess at that time they might not have been, into super violent stuff just yet you know you know but what this, this is the 80s though i could understand for 60s but that's this is true because like, you had the all the flashers clash of the titans really feels like it's ripping off the vibe of star wars super hard <laughs> yeah it does like it really it really is it's just taking like that that greek roman approach you know sort of deal instead um and then i feel like i feel like you've got uh, jason the argonauts was was kind of funny in a way because it was sort of like it reminded me of like the old pirates of the caribbean movies you know because it was definitely an adventure movie you know like that yeah. sort of thing whereas this one felt way more like a star wars movie <laughs> it must have been <laughs> really hard to like, make especially how it ended to make movies after star wars came out like that must have been pretty tough considering how successful it was and then someone comes to you with a project and they're just like i don't know man like is it gonna be as good as star wars (laughs) yeah it's gonna be as good as star wars i mean i mean even then it's not like i mean i guess you have to take like you know theater limitations into account and whatnot for the time period but um i mean don't get me wrong this movie made money like it it had a budget of like nine or like they estimate nine to 15 million but the box office was 41 million so it made its money Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah um it it's a fun time i mean the this movie is a little bit similar to jason and the argonauts uh basically it's zeus's kid um 
he's trying to marry one of the like super rich, beautiful women in Andromeda. Right. And uh, uh, Thetis, or Thetis, her uh, son is basically just trying to have her for himself. And you have Perseus trying to go through all these things just so he could go on the adventure to basically prove to himself that he is worthy to rule the kingdom and be her rightful man. Um, but the intro to this movie is pretty dark. I mean, it starts with the guy that is like, who is so devoted to Zeus, he builds over a hundred temples and basically says, please do not forgive or please forgive me as I do this because I must kill these people. And he throws the man or the baby and the woman in the sea in a urn. Yeah. And like Zeus is like, this is so selfish and petty. We must kill all of his people and his land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He really is like laying down the punishment. Do you, I mean, the thing is, like, imagine you being a modern day Greek person and not even you, but your president technically does a despicable evil deed and your entire country gets destroyed for it. That's what happens nowadays. But still, I mean, back then it just it's an act of God, not an act of war. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I feel like the gods, after watching these movies, gods are very petty and they they abuse their power. Oh, totally. That's your Greek and Roman gods. They're 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 seen as like more so like uber enhanced mortals, right? And, uh, extra powerful mortals, and that's basically their deal. But I mean, I guess it depends on what you're looking at. But to my and, knowledge, to them, it was a little different. And with them being extra powerful mortals, it's just like basically just storytelling for like, oh, and that's why, you know, you know your limits or that's why you don't abuse your powers or that's why you don't try to be jealous or like narcissistic, you know, because of all these fables. Like it is very good for education wise for children to learn about these things because like, it's just like, wow, that God is a dick. But at the same time, it's like, we could learn some stuff from these stories from these very selfish people, whether they be immortal or not. Yeah, a good amount of the stories were intended to teach you something about your morals or uh, how you should treat other people and what are the consequences of things happening. But they made it into a much grander story, so it's interesting for people to listen to. Right. I think it. I think it would be remiss to forget that stories not only can teach morals, but some stories are merely just there to, for escapism purposes. Oh yeah. If you think about the time period, a lot of these stories were made into a lot of the strife that these people would often go through and whatnot, just because that's just the life they had to live. I would imagine that hearing stories like these and whatnot would um, be comforting. Similar to how we like consume mythological stories nowadays yep during like times of crisis to help ourselves feel better about it also to fill in pieces of science that they did not know at the time some some stories and myths were were included for that i think at some point they had a story that the day and night changed because of a chariot that rode across the sky so there's a lot of Mm -hmm. interesting stuff for that yeah and it's it's really cool and um, I guess we should just, like, talk about some of, like, the fucking cool points in this movie. I really like how Perseus gets a bunch of uh, godly, like, gifts from the gods. 
What did you guys think about the uh, three pieces that he got from them? The sword, the shield, and the helmet. <laughs> it's it just it's what created the hero's journey story. Like, there's always going to be an item usually, and there's always legendary items in these stories, which is cool. It, it gives you like a goal to go and find something, and then that's the thing that helps you fight. But it usually translates to some sort of uh, metaphor or something within yourself. So it's cool. It's cool to see like a manifestation of that in these items. Right. We have the sword that can cut through solid marble, not get a scratch. <laughs> the shield that will save you one day. You just don't know when. That also counts as a mirror. That's hilarious. Um, and a helmet that makes you invisible. Yeah. How weird. Uh, I was going to ask if you guys would like an item forged by Hephaestus, what would you probably get? Only mm. one item. Do we get to like pick what it does or we just ask for yes, an item and yes, it has a random? Yep, yes. You get to pick what it does. Huh. Uh, because I'm really extra, I want a sword that lights on fire. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> what about you, Mitch? Whoa. <laughs> That's only, only one item, but you get to choose what it does. Yeah. Either that or, or, you know, the other thing I would, I would want? want, like the horn of heroes Ooh. from like D and D where you can blow on it. And then two like Nordic hero like figures show up to do a task for you. Oh man! They, like explode <laughs> through the wall or something, or like hing a ding a dargan. What can I do for you? <laughs> you know, they, like, they take care of it. Be great. That's what I want. That's I would. I want. That's pretty sweet. I would yeah. probably get like one of those. It's like ripping off Legend of Zelda, but one of those armbands that just gives you immense strength or like power. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So like, oh cool, I could lift my entire car when I have this band on. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty rad. Um so this movie starts pretty dark with like the entire city getting flooded and honestly the special effects look really good. Like I I felt like people were actually getting swarmed by a flood. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, it's a pretty jarring scene. And then we're introduced to Perseus, all grown up now, being sent on his adventure. And uh, with Ammon, he's basically just trying to figure out what's going on. Until, because the thing is, Andromeda, she basically is like, the only person that will marry me is the person that like solves my riddle. So he gets invisible and gets carried off by the rock and finds uh, Pegasus. And... The entire scene where he's like capturing Pegasus looks amazing. It it, yeah. it really holds up. <laughs> um, they follow it to the lair of Calabos, and he figures out the answer to the riddle, and just comes out like a motherfucker, and just like I know the answer to your riddle. If you don't answer correctly, you you will be burned at the stake. And he's like, I know it. It's the ring right. that Calibos wears. Yeah. The ring on his hand and Cuts throws the, the hand. decapitated <laughs> hand. Yeah. Which is the toy that I had. So. Oh, man. That's a great connection. Pretty awesome. <laughs> um, and then they basically, uh, they're about to marry them. And then Andromeda's mom basically fucking, I don't know how you, uh, how you like, disrupts. The entire the entire god that they're in a temple of, 
Yeah, I don't just know like, why you would do some shit like that. You're in the middle of this temple about to get married and be like, who is the most gorgeous woman in the world? My daughter, of course. And then this god is like, what? <laughs> and shows up and fucking like just cracks like, the temple in half. I was like, that's a bad move. This is yeah. not good. Yeah, that was funny. I don't know why. It's, it's very human, though. I could see that happening pretty easily. Right. Um... And then she's like, okay, so my da- your daughter's going to be chained to a rock and sacrificed to the Kraken unless uh, Perseus could figure out a way to stop it. Right. And so he has to set out on an adventure to find Medusa's head, uh, <laughs> a Gorgon that could turn everyone into stone with the look of her eyes. <laughs> yeah, that story's kind of fucked. There's a lot of versions of the story, but one of the later versions was that Medusa was actually a gorgeous woman before and she was raped on the floor of Athena's temple and because Athena was so pissed she cursed her to look like Medusa oh my god see that's like this is like some what the fuck are you yeah <laughs> yeah isn't that fucked up she makes her like basically no one can gaze upon her anymore because they'll turn to stone yeah she's she has a snake body and snakes for hair and that's it's bad um they talk to three blind witches who look through an eye, an eyeball. I don't know. It's like a ball. It's like a Fuji ball. Yeah. And they look through it to, <laughs> to see people. And like, you know, if he goes into that cave, he's definitely going to be eaten. Right. There's like a hand that pops out of the cauldron too. And they're like, get back in there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That made me laugh. Um, It's really funny, but. Uh, eventually they get to the temple and they fight a two-headed dog. And this is where the entire movie is like really great because Boo Boo helps them, or Boobo helps them find the temple. Yeah. And um, the dogs kill like I'd say two people, two-headed dogs. And the effects are still fun. I love the kill shot too. The yeah, and you just see like <laughs> Perseus looking all dope. Um, but we have the best scene in the movie, arguably the entire. Uh, cave sequence with Medusa. Yeah, it's so good because he can't stare at her directly, so he has to figure out clever ways to see where she's at and figure out a way to cut off her head. And it, it has such great atmosphere and music to it, and like the Harryhausen effects look astonishing. And like you feel that like she is actually a presence in this cave, and like will definitely fuck shit up if she sees one of these people. Right. And uh, he outsmarts her with the mirror shield and decapitates her in one false swoop. So um, this is actually one of the uh, one of the stories that is more like accurate to the the old stories. Perseus slaying Medusa. Medusa is one of three Gorgons that exists that were the the children of Ceto and uh, Phorcys. Those were the two gods that birthed the three of them. Um, the other two, well, they're not really talked about in this one. Uh, Medusa is the most famous one. She's the only one that's mortal. Is the interesting bit. Yeah. About her. Uh, but yeah, she just, she just, she is. That is what it is. That's cool. And. Um... It's it's just the whole scene plays out. If you have to watch a scene from this movie, it is, the Medusa scene is just as iconic, if at uh, 
is just as iconic as the skeleton scene in Jason and the Argonauts. Right. I would say it's probably the one that had uh, probably the most work put into it, I would think. Uh, with the techniques and whatnot coming out of playing the Medusa yeah. scene, you can really see where, where he came from when it comes to the Hydra scene in Jason and the Argonauts 20, 20 years earlier. Yeah. You see a lot right. of similarities. Her, all, her entire hair is just yeah, snakes animated. Moving. That's crazy. So many individual pieces you have to move. Right. Um, so they're able to do that, and then they camp for a day, and they get uh, bombarded by Calibos, who Perseus finally kills, but not after losing all his friends to giant scorpions. Yeah, fucking giant yeah. scorpions. After he like leaks the blood out of the head of out of the head of medusa and it spawns scorpions out of the ground much like how the bones spawn skeletons out of the ground and jason the argonauts yeah the teeth the yep. well. very similar for the two films he rides on pegasus and he's about to uh use it on the kraken but he drops medusa's head and you know who fucking saves the day? Boo Boo the Owl. That's right. That's right. That throwaway character you did not give a fuck about, he saves the fucking day, not Perseus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He gurgies that shit up. Remember, remember Gurgi from the Black Cauldron? <laughs> that was the same type nice. of thing. Who gave a fuck about Gurgi until he fucking sacks himself for win? And you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then they uh they use the the fucking Medusa's head to crack the titan into stone um my question to you though is would you have thrown medusa's head into the water well fuck no i'm gonna keep that thing and in another version he gives it to he gives it to athena and she puts it onto her shield oh i see i could have swore he just like grabbed the head and threw it into the water uh, I mean, he does in, do that. yeah, in the movie he does, uh, but in oh. one of the stories, he keeps it and uses it for a while, and then at some point gifts it to Athena when he meets her. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, That's it, cool. Yeah. At some point, I guess, Zeus is like, don't go and bother him anymore. And so all of the gods yeah. just kind of like leave him alone, and then he meets Athena at some point and is just like, oh, well, I'm not using this anymore, so like. Here's a gift, which is kind of <laughs> fucked because she's the one who turned her into that and like to start with. So. Yeah, <laughs> there's that. Um, I guess real quick, the last thing I really kind of just want to talk about, uh, it's a fantastic movie. But uh, when I was getting back into Greek mythology, we started playing magic again and then we went to the Theros Beyond Death pre-release. Yep. And the flavor from these mechanics in the game are super spot on for Greek mythology. Yeah, um, they're, they're pretty accurate. <laughs> they they really like to do their homework when it comes to like the history behind some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, when when Magic players or the creators they they either do a top down or a bottom up kind of thing. When they do bottom up, they do flavor first, and then they make the cards around that. Um. So, like, for Theros and all that, like, Elspeth is Hercules, Heliod is Zeus. All that specific stuff, like, they are uh, pastiches of Greek mythology, I guess you could say. They are just, they're uh, Magic the Gathering's version of uh, Greek mythology. They are they have very similar stories, very similar techniques, you know? Hmm. Um, but I want to talk about some of the mechanics. Heroic, if a creature with heroic ability 
basically gets ca- has a spell cast on it, it gets powerful benefits. Basically, if you're a heroic kind of fucking guy, you're going to get benefits from the gods. Basically, you, the player. Right. Um, the Devotion played a big role in the pre-release uh, for Journey into Nyx and Beyond Death. Basically, Devotion is uh, pretty similar to how like it works with the gods. Like, If you are devoted to your certain color, the gods will grant you favors, i.e. using uh, that devotion, basically your mana symbols, whatever color they are, to uh, use the gods in the game, as well as other similar uh, benefits. Just like as it was with making temples or doing ritualistic prayers or just, uh, you know, doing anything that you could devote your to your god, like in the stories. Uh, Monstrosity was another one. Basically making giant fucking hydras and creatures with multiple 1-1 counters. Basically unconceivable giant creatures. Yeah, um, I think there's a card that's like uh, the Colossus of Akros. And it becomes monsters, oh, yes. and it's like twenty twenty. <laughs> um, it, it is like it is supposed to be Talos from Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's mm. the thing they have a pastiche of the Greek mythology in in the sets. There's also one of the uh, homunc- uh, homunculi, which is like a one hundred handed giant. Oh yeah, that thing is cool. When uh, the the flavor on this card is pretty great because when you uh, do the monstrosity thing. It says that it could block up to 99 creatures as right. if it had 100 hands. It's a, it's a good thing to play against people who like tokens. <laughs> um, but I really wanted to talk about Escape because Escape was like one of the big things from Theros Beyond Death. And it's basically like in the afterlife, it's basically sets the stage up for escaping from that afterlife in the underworld. Uh, I feel like, because you have to exile other cards, it's kind of like you have to give up a part of yourself uh, to be able to come back into the real world. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't considered something like that. (laughs) Uh, Constellation cared about enchantments. Basically, I feel like you as the player are quote-unquote the god. If you use, Because you could use enchantments that help you, and you could use enchantments that you know, fuck with other people. Um, an enchantment is basically like, oh, hey, I'm giving you a curse. Like, kind of like what they did with Calabos in, in the movie. Or I'm, like, giving you extra benefits because you are my son. You're devoted to me, you know? And the constellations are definitely a big part of the Greek mythology. There are so many shapes and things because, like they said in the end of Clash of the Titans... Uh, their stories are forever forged into the stars, and if people forget them, it does not matter because the stars will forever be there, burning bright. Right. They like is like actually form the constellation for them, like to commemorate whatever happened. And the thing is, now it. I mean, still. I mean, if it weren't for all this smog and pollution, you could still see the constellations and still try yeah. to make out the shapes from Greek mythology. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, la- I mean the. I mean, the Greeks and Romans were, like, a huge center point of, like, you know, astrology and whatnot and observing the stars. I mean, so it makes a lot of sense that that would be included in a set that's themed after that and whatnot, as yeah. well as devotion. Like, you know, the gods, their, their powers and whatnot. Some believe that uh, that the gods derive their powers from the belief of others. 
So gods do not exist unless there are those who actually believe in right. that god. And that, that's the thing. Like the all the god creatures, whether they're dual colored from Journey out of Nyx or mono colored from Theros, they cannot act on their own. They are not creatures until your devotion is a certain number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you better get down. Pray, bitch. <laughs> yeah, you better get that. You better get them red and green mana symbols to get Xenagos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, can uh, I? I well, I want to say one thing. Are, are we still on magic? Are we still on magic? Yeah. yeah. All right, keep going on magic then. Uh, I, have last... to, I have to correct some shit I said. Okay, so. no worries. Uh, the last one is sagas. They uh, first appeared in Dominaria, and they wrecked face in standard. But um, <laughs> basically, they are just epic stories that play each uh, one chapter at a time. So uh, for every turn, they do a certain thing. And basically, sagas like they are in a in the artwork are tapestries or they're like urn drawings. And it basically just shows you like where these Greek mythologies came from. Like uh, the story of Jason, the Argonauts was definitely on an urn at one point in time. Same with all these other stories, uh, whether it be like, I don't know, the man in the reflection of the mirror. I forget his name. uh, Narcissus, right? Uh, He was something like like that. It's where the word comes from. And like all all these epic stories are just told in a saga, and that's the only way that Greek mythology basically carries on is if we keep finding ways to retell these epic stories. So sagas were something that I appreciated. Yeah. Um, what were you going to say though, Mitch? So I have to correct myself on the story of Perseus, and actually the end of his story is hilarious and makes his his character way less virtuous than we all would think. <laughs> he is not a very virtuous. Well, well, I mean, he's not a very nice guy. He basically wants to get married, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's told to go, like, basically go kill. The only reason he's he's sent there to go kill Medusa. That's it. He's just sent there by the gods to go do so. It's not really if if to my, what I'm reading is not it's not really for a specific purpose, other than to go do it. <laughs> other than like he's looking for godhood. It makes me feel bad for Medusa. Yeah, more right. than anything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, he came. Yeah, I mean, it's with it's with Andromeda though, and that's but yeah. Oh, and okay. Athena instructs him to go to go find them in order to defeat the Gorgons, basically. I see. Oh, oh yeah. Poseidon, the god of the seas, sexually assaulted her inside a temple of Athena and his punishment. There you go. That oh, was the big gosh. deal. Ovid's account of Medusa's mortality tells us she had once been a woman vain of her beautiful hair, etc., etc. And then Poseidon raped her in a specific section of Athena. And then Athena's like, you need to go put this woman out of her misery, Perseus. And he's like, okay. And she's like, like alright, so here's this uh, Here's he, he doesn't get a pegasus from her. He gets f- flying sandals. He gets ah. a sword, a shield, and flying sandals, and then he gets sent over to her cave where he sneaks up on her with the polished shield, sees her reflection, cuts off her head. From her neck springs Pegasus. <laughs> oh. And a sword of gold comes out of Medusa's neck afterwards. What the fuck? And then he takes her head and goes back to the king of Atlas, who had refused him hospitality, and turns him to stone with the head afterwards. Petty. After using the helmet given to him by Hades to escape the two sisters of the Gorgons, this guy bitches out and doesn't go after the other two. He's just like, peace, later, I got one. I don't need any more. <laughs> like, Goddamn. like, Bullshit. I mean, and the reason why I bring this up is because is because this is a, 
a depiction of what was heroic to a different type of person because we think about what is a hero now to us both of these have like different depictions of what a hero is where 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 we have heroes now where we have like the avengers and shit like that where there's these people that like stand right in the face of danger and take down every single enemy until the battle's done you know right it's always like that like we see a lot of that nowadays i feel but then we have these older stories where it's like nah dude i took out one guy and then i'm getting the fuck out <laughs> it's like you know and that's like a lot of your older stories were sort of like that i suppose I don't know. It, it, it's very, it's interesting. And that's kind of depicted in these movies yeah. as well. So, um, so what, what did, did you guys enjoy? Like the, the Theros block? I just wanted to ask. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I think started... I, it wasn't my favorite one though. I felt it was a little short lived for me. Right. What about you, John? The original Theros block that came out is when I started playing magic. So oh, okay. to, to see uh, it. That re- was a pretty good one. Yeah, the original one that came out there was just awesome. I made like four or five uh, decks that were all heroic decks. So it's like that was the one I started on. So to see it come back with the Reborn was awesome. And then to go to the pre-release. Uh, and they mm-hmm. did they did a really good job of adding in cool things that you would want to play. So it was really cool. I like it. Yeah. I like and what they're the, doing. the thing is like a good amount of people, they don't really like the set. Uh, I watched a video about it. Um, I will say I don't like the lands. (laughs) (laughs) No, those new lands suck. (laughs) I Um, liked them. I just, it's just too different. Take your Pokemon lands. Oh damn! Yeah, it does. Oh, uh, yeah, they are. All right, I will admit they are a little Pokemon-y. I get it. I get it. (laughs) But the thing is, a lot of people they they felt like the first Theros was amazing, and then the second one was more of a. A pastiche of a pastiche. It's not a representation of Greek mythology, but magic's representation of Greek mythology done worse. <laughs> Damn. Well, I mean, yeah. And uh, they, the thing is, they wanted more on the underworld, more stuff from the graveyard, more stuff yeah. like uh, Hades and Cerberus underneath, <laughs> like with the dead. They didn't want another, just like, oh, we're on Theros again, just because. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. with that, you know, it is what it is. It's it's up to personal opinion. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think about the effects? Do they hold up still? Yeah, I think they do. They just no. Yeah, they do. Yeah, there's no one else doing this kind of stuff either, or at least it's not very common. So. You, uh, stop motion's still being done. It's just not as often. Yeah, and they're spending just as much time uh, on it. And then I I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, Harryhausen's influence is undeniable. Can you name any films that obviously use it? Hmm. Uh, anything that Tim Burton's done that has stop motion in it? Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas? That's, a, that's uh, what I thought of, too. All the Lakia, Lakia movies. That's all hand-done stuff, also. Jurassic Park, as well as The Terminator. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that's the thing. If you are not a fan of Ray Harryhausen, his influence has touched literally every genre in the in the field, in some way or another. That's and true. in some ways, he is the actor in all these movies. He is the creatures. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, but with that being said, did you guys like these films, and do they leave do they leave a la- uh, good impression on you? 
yeah i mean for me uh i've seen them when i was younger too so this is i believe at some point they would just play it on certain channels like there was uh i don't know if you guys remember but just on regular tv there was the turner classic movies channel like tcm and they would play these movies really often and so you could end up watching all like a string of movies that they had made for this time period and this is one of them um or at least uh, i watched a clash of the titans a lot jason and the argonauts was not played as much but i remember it's one of those movies i would sit in front of the tv and watch and just with the, with some food way too close to the tv and, and i'd be watching it. it was a lot of fun and to watch it again now older and uh still enjoy it as much is a is a cool feeling uh i really like these films and i think i'm gonna keep the blu-ray versions on my <laughs> shelf yeah so right. i could show them to if i ever have kids my kids <laughs> that's cool um so the clash of the titans was ray harryhausen's last effort in film do you think he should have continued uh, even no. for hellboy Nah, he made a good move just stopping like that's that's a a good oh <laughs> it's a good way to stop your career and to not kind of decline from there i think he chose a really good moment to be like all right that's it like i'm not gonna work anything else and then pass it on to other people and he wasn't trying to like still be a part of it up until his death <laughs> right he did pass in 2013 yeah uh, seven years ago now yeah and, and the thing is like he got that cinematic achievement award for helping cinematic as a whole. I feel like that that is a good right. award for him. Um, did you have any favorite scenes? Uh, I would say the skeleton one is still like one of my favorites. Uh, that one stood out the most just because of how much time was spent on it. You can tell they like really spent a lot of time on the details on that and it's still cool to watch so many years later and i think it's funny too because uh you'll go back and watch other older films and they're just awful to go back and rewatch. but this one still holds up because of all the action and the uh the way that it was done it, it was just different it was kind of uh, a different piece of film that was created during that time and it was appropriate i feel like if you tried something like that today they would try to take a more serious or like darker route and it wouldn't have as much fun as it did with the stop motion creatures. Right. Did you have a favorite uh, scene for Clash of the Titans? Uh, not really, to be honest. I feel like uh, I was watching it and nothing really stood out to me. But it was uh, cool to see just how good the actors are. Like this is uh, one of those movies that was made during the golden age of film. So everyone who's in it is just really good at their job. <laughs> And so, like, I would imagine that the the way that they were shooting, the this is when the director actually would probably yell action, and they would just start immediately. They didn't need like any time. Sure. Uh, Mitch, did you have any favorite scenes? Well, he already mentioned the skeleton scene. <laughs> yeah, with the giant one scream. of my favorites. <laughs> I also really like the 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 hydra fight too. I thought that was super cool. Nice. Like the way that they reacted to it, that was that was really good. Um, and then Clash of the Titans, I I want to like the I want to like the Kraken, but I feel like he just feels like a. Every time I see the Kraken, I think of like the opening to uh, 
what was that that show about the family with the three boys? Uh, Frank Murphy's in it, or Murphy Franklin, or the guy from My Dog Skip is in it. <laughs> what? What the fuck is that fucking? What the fuck is that name? Frankie Muniz is in it. Oh, you're talking is. about Cheers. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> fuck you. You fuck you, Mer. You know what? You know what? Fuck you. Because you know, but my dog Skip. Give me one moment. Just let me get my thoughts together. Okay. All right. Um, All right. Wait, wait. No, don't. No, no, no. Wait, wait. All right. So it's Frankie Muniz. Oh, that was right. great. Oh, you're talking now, about Cheers. <laughs> he's not in Cheers. You fucking <laughs> All right. Wait. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna talk to us about how great the show Cheers is. Frankie Muniz is in a show. I forget the fucking name of the goddamn show right now. Um, and I, I hate. I hate. What you will wait one moment. Okay. One, well, can I? Uh, can I just say my favorite scenes while you do that? No. <laughs> one second. <laughs> gonna be super rude. I have to find it. Okay, name your favorite movie while I do this. Okay. Uh, I will say that my favorite scene from Jason the Argonauts is the entire Talos scene with the head moving and how it moves and creaks mechanically and uh, how they take it out by removing the entire uh, plug in its foot and releasing the ichor, which is like the god's version of blood. Um, mm. I, I thought that was really great. And then the skeleton scene, obviously, the fact that my mom could scream at it all these years later, even though she's like well into her 50s, uh, that was really funny to me to watch it with her. Nice. Um, for oh. Clash of the Titans, I will say that uh, the scene that has it for me is when the Medusa scene, obviously, but when Boo Boo goes to the camp to free Pegasus and just turns everything into fire and brimstone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Did you find it, Mitch? Yes, Malcolm in the Middle. The opening to Malcolm oh in the my Middle God. Are you fucking always serious? has. Shut the fuck up. The opening to Malcolm in the Middle always has, always has the uh, Kraken rising out of the ocean on it, and that's what I always remember from that scene. And anyway, so but my and that's it's weird. I know it's weird, but that's that's something that that reminds me of. But regardless, my favorite scene. I kind of am with John on this one, to be honest. Cause it's like there's not I, I like the Medusa scene a lot, but the anim and the animation's pretty cool. But Argonauts just had way more notable things going on in it. Like, yeah, as I, as an adult, I'm finding that I like Argonauts more. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I really do, and I and I, I feel that uh yeah that uh Clash of the Titans was very it was cool. Like it has like it's a good adventure story, but there's just I don't know I I felt I, I don't know I felt like it suffered a little bit in this one. Right. Uh, what would you guys rate these films? Hmm. Uh, I would probably give Jason and the Argonauts like a 7.5 or something like that. And okay. Clash of the Titans, I would probably give like a 6 or something. Mitch? Um, they're both like solid 7s for me. I'm going to give uh, Jason and the Argonauts an 8 
and I'm going to give Clash of the Titans a seven. Nice. Yeah, it's and, a, it's about there. Yeah, they're they're not super perfect films, but they are still enjoyable and rewatchable. You can go and watch that like a few times. Yeah, I I will definitely be revisiting these in in a couple of years. Um but with that, I'm I'm going to say if you are a fan of the stop motion effect and you like giant monsters, check out 20,000 Fathoms Under the Sea. Yeah, definitely. It's from Ray Harryhausen. It was a precursor to Godzilla. If you like more action adventure, then watch the seventh uh, Voyage of Sinbad. Yeah. And if you like aliens, uh, go see Mars Attacks. Uh, that's not related, but I like that movie. Fucking, I love Mars Attacks. That's such a good movie. It's like really iconic. People know so many lines from that movie and like things that happen in it. There are so many famous people, and they all get fucking phased. <laughs> Vaporized. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about these movies. All right. Uh, then before I let everybody go, I just want to remind everyone we're super easy to find in all of these streaming services. So you can find us pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can find us at our website, which is bdtghpodcast.com. Or you can find us at BDTGH underscore podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can leave us messages, reviews. We really appreciate the reviews we got on the Apple podcast. Uh, we had a few within like two or three days. So definitely keep leaving reviews on there. It helps us get a higher rating on the site and we're seen more easily on there. And a few things that we also have is the Patreon that is currently running. We do have the individual segments on there. So if you want to hear more from each one of us, uh, definitely go and support the Patreon. We're hoping to get more content onto there. And we're currently working on getting a design for a t-shirt that we're going to be selling on the website as well. But thanks so much for discussing these two movies with me. I hope everyone has a good night. I'm Mitch. It's my birthday and I'm Mer. <laughs> and I'm Jonathan. Thank you. <laughs> it's-